This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. to Friend of Maryland. My name is Kat Pauze, and this is a fat-friendly space. Today on Friend of Maryland, I share news about a cool new pinup calendar for your new year. I chat with Ren, a radical queer fat-positive therapist-to-be, and I spotlight a piece from M. Robinson about learning to be naked. If you have started your holiday shopping early or are looking to buy something really delightful for yourself or someone you love, I've got two suggestions for you. One is the Reviving Hilda 2022 calendar from body positive activist Amy Pence Brown. Amy is a friend of the pod, uh, and in fact, you would have heard her back on the show just a few weeks ago. But she has, um, for quite a few years now, been replicating images of Hilda, um, who was a plus-size pinup calendar girl in the 50s and 60s. And Amy is recreating uh, these these photos. It has been for years. Um, and she puts them together in a calendar that you can buy called Reviving Hilda. And the 2022 uh, calendar is available now to order. So I would strongly recommend everyone to make sure that you get one of those calendars uh, for yourself and calendars for other people in your life that, that you love. Another... Um, excellent fat positive uh, publication that is new into our world is a new zine um, from Kirsty Fife. And in fact, this is specifically a zine anthology. So for those of you who are uh, zine lovers, you probably already have some zines of Kirsty. Uh, she has been publishing fat positive zines goodness for years um i've got several of them and and love them all and give them as gifts and she's now pulled together a, a compilation of a lot of these along with um new work that she's done it's i think it's like 300 pages long as is which is very long for a zine hence the reason it's it's a compilation and uh she is currently selling it uh you can find it on her etsy her Etsy site, which is, um, oh, you know, sorry, I'm not remembering it. But if you just Google, so the name of the zine compilation is called From the Gut. 
And again, this is from Kirsty Fife. So if you give it a Google, uh, you'll definitely hopefully be able to find it and you can get yourself a copy. Both of these things would make excellent gifts for yourself, uh, for a loved one, um, or for uh, anyone that you want to bring a bit of fat positivity into their life. Joining me today is Ren, a radical queer fat positive therapist to be. Ren, thank you so much for coming on Friend of Maryland. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So Ren, tell me a little bit more about yourself. So um, my name's Ren. I'm 24 from United States. Um, I am a fat person myself. I'm non-binary. Um, I'm in process of pursuing my um bachelor's degree in sociology with a uh, minor in political science and then I want to move up and get my master's in social work and after that become a therapist Um, a size inclusive size positive health at every size therapist um Ren do you have a lot of history with like the mental health kind of field like is that something that you're really passionate about for that reason it is um I have had lots of personal experience in mental health um on the side of being a patient I've had medications denied to me because I was what they termed overweight um I had actually um, been inpatient treatment and they wouldn't do anything for me except up my anti-anxiety med which wasn't what I needed at the time they refused to give me an antipsychotic because of my weight Um, because they said it wasn't effective. But a few years later, I'm on that same medication in spite of my weight. So I know that many of us are familiar with the literature and antidotal stories around fat people getting really shitty care in uh, like regular kind of healthcare settings. I don't necessarily know how well we talk about how that same poor care how that lack of ethical evidence-based care is also present in mental health care settings. I don't think we, we talk about that necessarily as much as we do the other. I think when we think about mental health care, it's more just, you know, the standard, you know, anxiety, depression, you know, I'm, and I'm not saying that those things aren't pervasive because they are, but when we have, you know, more, you know, stigmatized conditions like schizophrenia, bipolar, that kind of thing, things that you don't usually hear about. People are just willing to, you know, kind of put those on the back burner and say, well, we're treating you for anxiety and depression, but what are we supposed to do about this other, you know, they don't consider the whole person. They're just considering the one tiny iota of a person of their mental health, but like, it's not considering everything at the same time. They're just considering, oh, you're a person with depression and anxiety let me you know try they try to force you out of their office as as easy as possible and that's just the most frustrating thing for me that means I have to go back for multiple visits to get even anything that I want like I was recently diagnosed with ADHD she said I probably had ADHD my whole life but the way it presents in um female bodies is a lot different than it presents in male bodies so that's interesting to me like that I've been almost 25 years and not been diagnosed with something I probably had my whole life. I know that um, I'm familiar with uh, doing 
I've done some workshops with some um, like school counselors. So, you know, obviously part of kind of mental health, but a, a really specific niche kind of within it. And I usually run them through like in their little small groups, like different scenarios about assumptions that, you know, they might be making about like the fat kids that they're working with in terms of like, you know, a fat kid is, must be fat because they've got like, they come from an abusive home or, you know, they must be fat because they've got like their emotional eaters. Or if a fat kid lost weight and wasn't fat anymore, then all of their other issues wouldn't like still exist. Like trying to help them kind of unpack some of the things that might be in their own mind when they're working with fat kids who've got, you know, mental health and, and educational challenges to be able to see past past the size is just kind of the thing that's just like the diagnosis. And it's like, you know, well, yes, I'm fat, but I also have anxiety or, you know, yes, I'm fat, but I, and I also have ADHD. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how well the mental health profession is doing in terms of talking about those issues amongst themselves or, you know, educating themselves around that in the same way that they, do that kind of cultural safety work, you know, both acknowledging different ethnic cultures, religious cultures, sexual orientation, those types of things. Do you have a sense both from personal experience and also as you kind of put your eye on where you want to go with that, if those conversations are happening in the profession? You know, um, I, I have been in and out of therapy my whole life. Um, my therapist I have now, she's wonderful. She is a very queer positive, very size positive individual. And I'm very lucky to have her, um, especially where I'm from. It's a very conservative area. Um, but I don't really feel like there's a lot of therapists that are working to be size inclusive. I think it's something that doesn't even cross their mind until they have a client who is actually, you know, of a substantial weight. I mean, I am lucky to have my therapist. I don't think she's specifically focused on um, on size inclusivity, but she is working really hard. I mean, she's getting her PhD. She's, you know, anytime I come to her with an issue, I feel comfortable coming to her with an issue. And I feel like that's, you know, a starting point. And I think that practitioners, especially as they get out into the field, need to think about this a little more and consider you know, the intersectionality of fat and also queer and also, um, you know, everything else that comes along with a person being a person. Like, we're not just one thing, but we have to consider um, the intersections at which we exist. So, I mean, in addition to being intersectional and acknowledging that in their people, like, what would be the other kinds of things that you would say, you know, for a practice to be size affirming, I'd love for it to look like this or to feel like this or for them to do this in their practice. What else might you add to that? So one thing that I have personally went through um, is when I talked to a therapist and they are like, well, have you been to your doctor to get tested? I was like, okay, tested for what? Like, oh, just your blood sugars, just like you know, to make sure your hormones are correct. And it's like, yeah. For all the fatty diseases, Ren, tested for the fatty stuff. <laughs> and I'm, I have been. And you know what? My blood sugar is a little bit high. But um, other than that, I'm pretty normal. 
So my weight doesn't really have anything to do with my mental health. So I need you to stop treating me like it is. Like I'm comfortable in my body at the size that I'm at. And if that fluctuates, I do my best to be comfortable at that size too. I just, I wish more therapists knew that it wasn't like, you know, an insecurity of mine too. And I made that very clear with my therapist that I'm happy where I'm at. Um, But, you know, if I ever have to move on to someone else, I, you know, it's, it's annoying being the client and like having to tell them like, you should treat me like a person, even though I'm fat. So. One would think we, (laughs) please give me my full humanity. Like we, you know, the, the fact that fat people consistently have to ask for that is shameful. Um, regardless of if we're talking about like healthcare settings uh, or not, but especially in a mental healthcare setting where, you know, those types of things we would think would be top of mind for the people providing us with that, with that care. But of course it's, it's not an assumption that we can make. And so, um, you know, we appreciate the activists and the students and the practitioners who are in that space and who are pushing back and who are demanding more. And um, we eagerly await the emerging practitioners such as yourself, um, you know, that as you come up through the ranks will shake things up. And, you know, obviously you can't change the whole field, but I would imagine that you're going to make sure that every person that comes across you along the way um, you know, is taught better, um, or is at least, you know, challenged, um, challenged in the position kind of that you're taking, what would be, you know, um, where do you hope to see a size affirmative kind of therapy slash counseling in like 10 years? I would hope that it's actually, you know, per it's every person is considered a person. Like, you know, the health at every size movement, I think is helping in that it's helping more people understand, you know, that fat doesn't necessarily mean unhealthy. And most times it doesn't. So um, I would like to see, you know, that advertised for therapists, I would like them to actually be size inclusive when they say that they're size inclusive and not have these microaggressions against fat people who are saying, oh, you know, you should go get your levels checked. Like, no, there should be no mention of that. That's not, that's not fair. Would you say that to a skinny client? Probably not. So, I mean, I just, you know, I want no mention of any tests or any medical intervention for my weight or anything like that, because that's not what I'm there for. I am there to help my mental health, not my, you know, there's nothing wrong with me physically. I just have a mental health condition. Yeah. Ren, if there are people who are keen to, um, you know, learn more about uh, this topic or even just to connect with you more, Maybe, um, you know, there are current practitioners in the field or other activists who feel really strongly about this particular area. Um, Are there ways people can find you online and connect? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my Instagram is probably the best one for me. It's at the Baby Witch Chronicles. um, Because I'm really into witchcraft lately, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, that's probably the best way to connect with me or my, my name on Facebook is Ren Grover. So feel free to add me and we can have some fat positive chats. That's really brilliant, Ren. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me.
highlight today is a piece published in 2019 on The Body is Not an Apology. It was written by M. Robinson and entitled How I Learned to Be Naked, Listening to My Body and Healing Body Shame. Quote, I didn't always hate and hide my body. I was athletic as a child. I swam competitively and played outside until the last drop of daylight. I trusted my body and knew it well. That changed when puberty hit in the fourth grade. I started to look more like a woman than a little kid, and a handful of boys in my class made sure it wasn't going unnoticed. I felt isolated and alone. It seemed like my body had betrayed me. The more it changed, the less connected I felt. I stopped playing outside with other neighborhood kids. I started to hate wearing a swimsuit. My mother enrolled us both in Weight Watchers, and my education and body shame truly began. From that point on, I lived in my head and ignored my ever-expanding body. The only time I acknowledged it was to express my repulsion. I was raised by a mother who hated her body and talked about how often how awful it was often in my presence. I looked exactly like her, so naturally I learned to hate my body too. As I entered my 30s, I wanted to change. I didn't want to teach this hate and body shame to my children if I ever had any. I found a therapist who specialized in eating disorders and body image issues. With her support and guidance, my perspective started to change. She urged me to shake up my beliefs about what a good body should look like, helping me find the Adipositivity Project and other communities through social media that showed me a different way. After two years in therapy and a great deal of inner work, I participated in a webinar with the Body is Not an Apology founder, Sonia Renee Taylor. I learned about her experience and decided that I wanted to experience this as well. I hope to gain confidence while hearing the, healing the shame I felt. I long to find a safe home in my body again. One of the key elements of my rucus centered around being comfortable naked. I wasn't comfortable in the world, clothed or otherwise. I wanted to learn how to be vulnerable in a healthy way and be naked in my life, figure, literally and figuratively. I read books on plus-size sex and the body positivity movement. I attended a burlesque class, and I decided to do a cast of my naked self. I asked a handful of friends to help me with the casting. Even though I trusted these people more than anyone else in the world, I was nearly paralyzed at the thought of them seeing me and touching me naked. I had nightmares about it in the weeks leading up to the event. I was panicked, but I'd made this 30-day commitment to myself and was determined to see it through. As I showered and shaved on the day of my casting, I recalled a memory from high school. I was visiting a friend's house after going shopping. We were going to change into some of our new clothes. My friend started disrobing openly as I proceeded to try to change under the bed. They were petite and thin. I did everything in my power to shield them from my body. Now I would be asking some of these same friends to slather my naked body in Vaseline and cast every inch of me. There would be nowhere to hide. I made my final preparations. A friend gave me a shot of whiskey and a card with a beautiful butterfly to show her support. I was still terrified. I was preparing to be rejected. Instead, I was greeted with applause and tears as I dropped my robe and laid down on the shower curtain in my dining room. I was met with unconditional love and grace. I conquered a huge fear, and we all survived. My friendships were strengthened, and I was grateful for my community of support. 
After the casting, I went to a concert and danced the night away. I came home triumphant, but I was taken aback to see my shape still curing on the floor. I still felt proud of what I had accomplished, yet I was unprepared for the reality of my size. I was tempted to throw it away. I judged it harshly and didn't want it to be me. All that old shame came barreling back to the surface. I left the cast in the dining room for days, literally having to step over myself to get out the door. I wished I could hide again. However, something started to shift. I would stand over the cast and notice different elements. The symmetry of my shape, my broad shoulders, my waist, my ample bosom, belly, and butt, the part of my body I hated the most. Seeing myself in this way started to change me. These were all the parts of myself that I was no longer going to hate or ignore. It took creating a model of my body to actually see it for what it is, to actually see it at all, without judgment, to see it as one good body. I did what I set out to do. I gained a new way of being and overcame a hurdle that has led to greater confidence. I am comfortable being naked now. I don't hide myself. I dance and have sex and do yoga and all the things I was convinced my body could not do. I am grateful for this body and all of its scars and all the ways it continues to support me despite years of abuse. It is my home and it deserves love. Unquote. Thanks for listening to another episode of Friend of Maryland. Friend of Maryland is brought to you by Manawatu People's Radio, triple nine AM. If you'd like to contact the show with questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions for topics or guests, you can email us at friendofmaryland at AOL.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Closing the show is Howlin' Wolf with 300 Pounds of Joy. Well, all you good thank you, You don't have to worry, you can have your fun Take me, baby, for your little boy To get 300 pounds of a heavenly joy This is it, this is it Look what you get
watch again Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.